G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Realfaith.org.au Realfaith.org.au We took turns taking each other to the building site and on the way I told my mate that I had become a Christian or, you know, I wanted to be a Christian. He looked at me sideways like, are you kidding me? You, you drink like a fish, you know, and, you know, you're the biggest partier that I know. And so he was dumbfounded that I even would even think about it. Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith with Eric Scadabo. Peter Connell grew up in a working class home near Sydney and always had a dream of recording his own music. However, his life took many detours and it wasn't until about 40 years later that his dream finally became a reality. Peter will share the ups and downs of his life story with us today, along with some of his long-awaited music. That's all coming up as we have a chat with Peter, who's joining us from a remote area of northern Queensland. Peter Connell, welcome to the program. Thank you, Eric. Pleased to be here. Glad to have you with us. And where exactly in northern Queensland are you joining us from today? I'm in Cooktown, which is about four hours north of Cairns. And uh, it's a beautiful place. Okay, we're going to find out how the Lord led you to that area later on in our conversation. But let's begin where it all started. You were born and raised near Sydney, is that right? That's right. I was born in a in Wollongong Hospital and grew up in a little town called Dapto near Wollongong. And um, I grew up in a family that were we weren't a church going family or anything like that. We we're just a average family. My father was a builder. Uh, my mother had four children. I was the youngest of four, and we were just uh, an average family. Uh, didn't attend church, as I said, so church and all that stuff was foreign to me as I grew up. But I loved my sport and I loved music as I grew up. Mm-hmm. And then skipping to your high school, in year nine, you had a special friend who gave you a Bible? Yeah, I moved schools in high school in year nine. And as most people would know, when they move schools, it's a it's a bit daunting when you don't know anybody. Oh yeah. But this this girl was um, kind enough to come and chat with me one day after a few weeks in the same class where nobody spoke to me, and uh, we just got chatting, and she started to share about her life and how she had this faith in in Jesus, which was absolutely foreign to me yeah. <laughs> at the time, and. Um, so that kind of piqued my interest and I, you know, I shared a little bit about my, my philosophy of life and that was that I kind of thought there was somebody up there, but I, you know, didn't know who or, or what it may be. And so one day she asked me if I wanted a Bible to read it and I said, yeah, why not? So I started to read the Bible because she, she gave me one. And then what happened? Well, interestingly... I was drawn to this character in the Bible called Jesus. 
first thing I did was when I opened up the Bible, it was just the New Testament, and I looked at the chapters and I thought that they're weird names, Matthew, Mark, and so forth. I've never seen a book like this in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I started to read the first chapter, Matthew, which I thought was the first chapter, and I was immediately drawn to this person called Jesus, um, just his kindness and his ability with words and language and wisdom, healing people and doing things that were quite incredible. And I found that every time I read the Bible, it actually brought peace to my heart just while I was reading it. Hmm. And so that's where it started, yeah. And your relationship with this young girl? Yeah, I, I, we became boyfriend-girlfriend sort of thing at school. And, um, and then about a year later, so that was year nine, year later in year 10, I decided, you know, much to my um, dishonor, I decided not to go out with her anymore, not to be boyfriend, girlfriend with her anymore. So I rejected her and I rejected God along with it. So I stopped reading my Bible. You know, I stopped going to, I think we were going to a youth group that she um, invited me to. Mm-hmm. So I stopped doing all those things and just thought, I'm just going to do what I want. I'm, I'm not going to be a goody two shoes anymore because I kind of changed the way I was. Uh, you know, I was pretty rough um, football player and so forth. And I kind of changed my language, changed the way I looked at people, changed. And then I just rejected it all in year 10, which yeah. was a bad move. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you. If you enjoyed reading the Bible and you liked her, why did you just kind of chuck it all away? Uh, it's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think getting down to it, I think it was probably just a very selfish thing. I wanted to go out and drink with the boys and mm. party and do all those things that young people do in year 10. And I thought, you know, well, I can't do that going to youth group or, you know, I guess in a sense I was wanting the party lifestyle rather than following God. And so, you know, I really didn't know God at the time. I was just really, I guess, really curious, you know. Um, I didn't read the Bible every day or anything like that. I just picked it up every now and again. Um, but it, it did affect me. When I look back, I realize how much it actually affected me. Now, another thing that was going on in your life in your young teenage years was your love for music. Where did that come from? Well, when I went to high school, at the previous school I was at before I moved in year nine, so year seven, New South Wales, they started high school back in those days, and I think they do now. But I met a friend who actually went on to play with Tumbleweed, a band. So he was very, a very good guitarist. Paul Housemaster is his, is his name. So we met in year seven and, and decided to form a group, you know, which was like a garage band. It was just the two of us. Mm-hmm. And then another friend at school said, oh, I'll play bass. So we were both playing six-string guitars, and the other friend joined us playing the bass. And then when I moved schools at that time in year nine, I met a drummer. I knew a drummer at that school. So he joined us, and we we formed a band. And um, we played at the year 10, a year 10 farewell. So they had a disco like they did in those days plus our band, which was called Black Diamond back in those days. Um, after school, we broke up. Paul was on a musical journey that was kind of going in the direction he wanted to go, and it wasn't really the direction that the rest of us wanted to go. So the band just, just, just disbanded. 
and I joined another blues group called Animal Farm. And uh, so that came, that was a five-piece band and we were playing the um, pub circuits around Wollongong and, yeah, really getting somewhere. But, you know, me rejecting God and, and all that, I was drinking very heavily, starting to get into drugs and mm. all that. So it went down. My lifestyle went down even though we were, ma you know, making money playing music and everybody yeah. seemed to really enjoy it, yeah. So way back then, the dream of recording your own music, that was where it all started. Yeah, so back when Paul and I were together, we had a dream of recording music. And Paul actually went on in his 20s with Tumbleweed and did that. So they've recorded several CDs. Um, I was with Animal Farm when Paul was with them. And uh, I remember going into a studio with our, we had a teacher, a teacher from a school who liked us and said, can I manage you right before we disbanded? And we kind of went into his house and he had some recording equipment, very basic. We did some, we did a song, but I've never heard it. But, you know, huh. it just lost because we, we were disbanded not long after that. And um, so I'd never really heard it. I, I can vaguely remember recording in there, but it was nothing that I ever got to keep. Now, another thing that was going on in your life at that time was your love for sports and rugby. Yeah, rugby league, to be precise. So as my brother was eight years older than mine, he played rugby league for the local club in Depto, so I played. And, um, yeah, some people said I was, uh, you know, probably good enough to make NRL, you know, the top league, if I, you know, if I was disciplined and did all the things that you needed to do. But... I was drinking too much. <laughs> I was just partying too much and, you know, but I did love, I had a love for sport and I think I had, you know, at some, most sports I have a natural ability to play and I eventually went over to Bradford in England. So I was playing for a club in, called Kayama, which is not far from Depto. Um, and uh, a friend of my, my a teammate on the team said, I'm going over to Bradford Northern to play in England at the end of this season. And I said, wow, how do you do that? And he said, if you want to play, um, I can, you know, see if the coach is happy to have you. So he believed in me enough to bring up the coach in England. So it was all arranged and I went over and played with Bradford Northern. Um, Australia came over on a tour and annihilated everybody. That They were in the days of Wally Lewis and yeah. Peter Sterling and all those, you know, big high-profile players, uh, Mal Meninga. Yeah, so that was, it was fascinating. Peter Connell is our guest today, and he's joining us from a remote area of northern Queensland and sharing his story with us. As we have been hearing, Peter has had a lifelong love of music, and he's always had a dream of recording his own music. We'll hear more of Peter's story and find out how that dream finally becomes a reality when we return right here on Real Faith. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. You're listening to Real Faith, conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. 
Once again, that's realfaith.org.au. Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and today I'm chatting with Peter Connell, who's joining us from a remote area of northern Queensland to share his life journey and about his lifelong dream of recording his own music. Now here's more of my conversation with Peter Connell. You came into my life and set me straight. So while you're in England and having this fun playing the sport that you loved, rugby league, yeah. You started to kind of reflect on your life. Is that right? Yeah, I did. Um, interestingly enough, when I packed my bags to go to England, I put a Bible in my bag, which mm. is interesting, isn't it? Because I wasn't really close to God. And I think um, I wasn't walking with God because, you know, the lifestyle I was living. But I think deep down, I, I had a respect for God. And I think it was born out of those times that I read the gospels you know and mm-hmm. seen what jesus did and so there was probably a, a fear of god in that sense uh, you know um it, it was a little bit like putting my bible in the bag it was a little bit like wearing a saint christopher necklace or something mm. you know that there'll be some sort of mercy from heaven while i travel sounds like it was kind of a, a good luck charm or something yeah kind of like that yeah absolutely mm. Uh, but when I was in England and, you know, after the football, had, you know, after the, you know, the heights and the lows of the football season, I did start reflecting on my life and reflecting back to when I actually rejected God. And I was sick of the partying. I actually just got absolutely sick of it, sick of drinking, sick of people giving me drugs to take. And even when I didn't want them, and you know, you just feel like you have to be part of the crowd because that's that's your crowd. Mm. So you kind of, if you reject that, you're kind of rejecting the crowd. So, you know, I just got sick of it all. And I actually started, I pulled that Bible out of my bag and started to read it. And I, I thought, I, I was really thinking, you know, do I actually believe in, in this guy called Jesus? And it really challenged me because, um, you know, I had this philosophy when I was younger that, and this is this was born out of not having any um, understanding of God at all. But I just thought, okay, my life is going to go like this. I'm probably going to get married one day, buy a house, have children, you know, do a job, work a job, and then I die. And I, I used to think when I was younger, what's the point of that? What's the, you know, what mm. does it all mean? You know, yeah. and so Jesus actually gave, you know, the Bible actually gave me answers to those questions even though I rejected it at first, it gave answers to that, you know, longing f- to live, to live on and the, the promise of eternal life and so forth. So, yeah, I was really challenged in England about where I was heading and, you know, if I did die, um, where would I go? Mm-hmm. You know? And then you eventually returned to Australia? Yeah, so I came back to Australia after I was over there for nine months and came back to Australia and uh, my brother had moved up to Queensland while I was away, so I moved up. I actually went up to Queensland to the Gold Coast just to see him for two weeks and then go back and get a job and resettle in Wollongong. And I ended up staying in Queensland. I was living with my brother at the time. I played for the local football club at Runaway Bay and playing well and doing really well, um, still drinking, still partying and so forth. But 
still thinking, you know, where am I going in life? Um, occasionally reading the Bible. And uh, so I eventually got a job on a building site as a, uh, through the club, through the football club. They can get your jobs with local businesses and so forth. So I got a job in Service Paradise at Raptors Plaza. I remember working on that job site. And um, it got to a point where my brother and I weren't getting on. So I left his home and got my own place. And I just got on my knees one night and said and asked the Lord to, you know, forgive me for my sins and to come into my life. You know, I was tired, sick and tired of the way I was living. And I just wanted him to take control and to, you know, all these promises I read in this book called the Bible. I just want to know who you are. And so I did that. And then the next morning, my mate turned up. We took turns taking each other to the building site went to the building site and on the way I told my mate that I had become a Christian or, you know, I wanted to be a Christian. And he looked at me sideways like, are you kidding me? You, you drink like a fish, you know, and, you know, you're the biggest partier that I know. And so he was dumbfounded that I even would even think about it. Mm-hmm. So we got to work and when we were in the building shed at Smoko time, which is like morning tea on a building site, um, this older um, worker in the in the shed started mocking this guy for becoming a Christian on another building site that he was at the day before. And so my friend Brad just looked, he didn't look at me actually, his eyes dropped to the floor and he, it was like he was saying, don't you dare say that you're a Christian now. You know, you're <laughs> going to get torn apart by these guys in this shed. So I didn't. But interestingly, Eric, a Bible verse just kept going around in my mind and it was Jesus saying, he who was not for me is against me. And I don't know why that verse and I don't know why it just kept replaying in my head, but it made me question, you know, where I was going once again. And I remember my brother saying years ago, I'm not religious. I'm, I'm just sitting on the fence. I'm not for God. I'm not against him. But that verse actually made me think for the first time, there is no fence. Hmm. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. And so I thought, well, that guy in the shed, he's definitely against you, God. But where do I stand? So I went out in the building site and I'm working away thinking about this verse. And then I and I said to God, I said, if this is what it takes to make peace with you, I'm willing to do this. So I found the, I saw the guy that was mocking Christianity in the shed and I walked straight up to him. And I said, um, you know, how you're mocking that Christian guy in the shed at Smoko? And he went, yeah, what about it? And I said, well, I'm a Christian and I didn't appreciate what you said. And it was at that moment, that very moment, I felt this weight just lift off my shoulders. Hmm. I felt what I, I didn't understand it at the time, but my heart just kind of burst in a good way, like just filled up in with goodness and, you know, I was dumbfounded at what happened inside of me. But I realized later that it was the Holy Spirit. And I went back to my shovel just just full of joy hmm. and full of um, contentment. And I realized, you know, I don't know why it happened that way, but it really made me feel like I was at peace with God finally. Yeah. That it actually happened. And so... You know, I remember going to bed that night with a grin on my face, so happy and content with 
you know, my being. And I woke up with the same grin on my face and I couldn't believe it. It was just, you know, a sustained joy that is hard to explain unless you've experienced it. Well, we're going to have to fast forward about 40 years here because we're running <laughs> out of time. But to make a yeah, long sure. story short, you eventually become a teacher and then also yeah. become a principal. How did you end up in far north Queensland? Wow. Okay. Uh, very quick hop, skip, and a jump. <laughs> so <laughs> very quickly, you know, I, I, I locked into a church and um, got helped. I got mentored, you know, just to understand what the Bible's about and just to join a fellowship, which was great, to make new friends and so forth. And then I eventually went to Bible college in South Australia, did three years Bible college. I went to Victoria and Warrigal as a youth pastor. I was there 18 months, and then I um, moved to, to Mackay, then back to the Gold Coast, basically. Um, but I did, I did miss something there, Eric, which is really important, and that is that, you know, I got married at the Gold Coast before mm. went off to South Australia. Unfortunately, our marriage didn't work out in the end, but we have four beautiful children. And so Bible college was a preparation for university because I eventually, when I got back to the Gold Coast, I studied to become a teacher. But my Greek studies at um, Bible college helped me to become an English teacher. Um, so that kind of set me on my way. And then I worked at Hillcrest Christian College on the Gold Coast for about seven years. Uh, did a camp, did a year nine, ten camp up here in far north Queensland with the school that were doing a mission trip up this way. And I, one thing led to another and I eventually got a job as a teacher here. And one principal after, and so there were two principals before me. Um, and I eventually got put into a principal, an acting principal role at first and then a principal role, which I've been doing for the last five, six years. But yet, still, going all the way back to your dream when you were 15 years old, you still had that desire to record your own music. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that didn't leave me all through those years. I was writing songs. Mm -hmm. But I changed, when I became a Christian, I changed from writing songs about me or drugs or whatever to writing songs about God. And so... I had that dream, you know, since I was 15 to record my own music. And so COVID started in 2020. Mm -hmm. I, I was saying to the kids at school, you know, um, COVID's happening, you know, we're, we're remote. So we were kind of away from all the, all the heavy stuff that was going on with COVID in the early days. But I said to the kids at school that, you know, sometimes these things happen. Could you imagine all those people in their homes all those artists, all those scientists, all those writers who now can do what they do. And I was telling the kids, you know, trying to inspire them to try and do these things. And then I found myself doing it even more. So I had long service coming up in 2020, 2021, sorry, in uh, term two. And I arranged for a bike ride, a motorbike ride to Darwin with a friend of mine here. He got really sick. We couldn't go on the trip. So I said, what am I going to do now? Um, so I contacted a friend of mine in Melbourne, Steve Messer, and I said, Steve, I've, I've had this dream to record my own music all these years. Do you know anyone that could possibly, you know, what studio I could link up with? And so he gave me two people's names. The first person was Phil Gordian, 
Phil was the drummer of PC3 and he's got his own recording studio in Melbourne. So I rang Phil, arranged a, a time to go down to Melbourne and record songs. I, first I sent him the demos and we got there and it was just amazing. So uh, Phil was a great help because I was just absolutely, even though I've been playing all these years, I, the recording studio was completely foreign to me, oh, yeah. how it worked. Well, unfortunately, we're quickly running out of time, right, but yeah. let's uh, wrap this all up. Your dream came true, and one song that you did record was one that kind of tells a little bit about your testimony. Please tell us about the story behind Hold On To You. Yeah, Hold On To You. Um, it really is my testimony in song. And, you know, when I wrote it, I just looked at it and went, oh, my goodness, this is like my life story. So the song is really about his love, his grace, and um, my life in, in a song. So that's what that song is, and I, mm -hmm. I, really, I really love it. Peter Connell, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you, Eric, and I just thank you for the opportunity. You gave me life when I had nothing. You gave me That's the song Hold On To You by our guest today, Peter Connell. To find out more about him and his music, you can go to his website, peterconnellmusic.com. That's Peter Connell, C-O-N-N-E-L-L, music.com, peterconnellmusic.com. You've been listening to Real Faith, and if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Real Faith is a production of Vision Christian Media. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.